0: Uh, Good morning again. All right. Worship team, thank you very much. Good stuff. We are uh, regularly blessed with a great volunteer group of people. Thank you so much, guys, for what you do. It's really, really, uh, we're grateful for it. Welcome to uh, part two of Rethink It, a four-part series in which we're trying to ask the question, what if you're not who you think you are? Of course, then the question becomes, who are you, if you're not who you think you really are. Uh, this is a, uh, a, a series that I hope will get us to rethink some assumptions that we have about ourselves and about other people uh, and about what our role is in the world. Uh, last week, if you were with us, on the first Sunday of the year, we began to ask the question about us rethinking some assumptions about who we are. And we went into a passage of Scripture that we're going to go to in a minute, but in there we saw that this truth is there that we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. And if you're a Christian, what that will mean for you is that the old nature has gone and the new nature has come. That change at a fundamental level is the key is a is a fundamental part of what it means to be Christian that the old limits of how far you thought you could go in forgiveness has changed. The old limits of how compassionate you thought you could be has changed. That because of the cross of Christ, there's some things that we thought were limits on who we are that actually have changed. The old nature, the old tendencies are gone and going, and the new has come. And so we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view, including ourselves. And so here's what we said last week as we began the series that vision creates reality. Vision creates reality. How you see yourself creates the reality in which you live. Now, just to test this out, you have seen this work. If you um, have ever said, as I talk to the men here in this room or the young men in this room, if you have ever said to a significant female in your life, if you've ever said these words, you look nice tonight. You look nice this morning. If you've ever said that, and if you haven't, you probably should start saying that once in a while. It wouldn't hurt anything, really. really. And if you've ever seen a little pick-me-up in her demeanor, a little extra bounce in her step because she's been noticed by you, all of a sudden you realize, ah, vision creates reality. Her vision of herself changed, and her reality in which she will walk changes because she knows that I recognize her and see her differently. And all of a sudden she has just a little more confidence, a little more clarity. A little pick-me-up. How you see yourself creates the reality in which you live. I don't know of any woman who would sit in front of the mirror day in and day out and be like, man, I got this down. got this makeup just right. My hair is it. I mean, I got the right wardrobe. I mean, I'm looking good every day. And I don't know of anyone who does not And so whenever we hear those words uttered, it changes reality in which we live. And we know that vision creates reality. And so we ask the question, if vision creates reality, what if my vision of who I am is actually not quite accurate? And what if my vision of who I am is actually informed more by the world than by what God has to say about me? And that's why we're asking the question, what if you're not who you think you are? Because who you think you are determines how you're going to live. Where you think your limits are will determine how much you're willing to forgive or be gracious or be compassionate. It's just part of the deal. Vision creates reality. Now, this morning in our series, we want to continue the conversation. By the way, we have um, some ways to keep the conversation going. We have a couple of things for you in this series to experiment with and try. Number one is this card. We have a, I don't know, four by six card, something like that, that is hanging out in the, um, on the welcome center, in the back on the way out. If you don't have one, you're welcome to grab one of these guys and uh, and take it with you. I've seen many of you with these, and my hope in giving this to you is twofold. Number one, to keep this passage of scripture in front of you for the month of January, because I think it's so pivotal to how you see yourself if you call yourself a Christian, is this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, But secondly, on the back, as I mentioned last week, we did something special for you, created some space for you to write. There's nothing on the back here except what you will write. And my hope for you is that by the end of this series, you will have written in your own words, in your own way, two or three things that have been impressed upon you as we've gone through this teaching series that will be yours, that you will own, that you will have, that will help you in your spiritual growth. So we want to have that card for you to write on, you can grab them in the foyer on the way out. Additionally, we're creating a conversation through social media with hash- hashtag #GPCRethinkIt. If you're so inclined, um, you can, you know, follow that way and and um, make any comments you like uh, there. I think any comments you like are welcome. All right. Uh, now, this morning, we want to move from. Um, rethinking who we are to rethinking how we think about people around us. In particular this morning, I want to draw your attention to how we think about people who um, cross us, people who cross us in one way, shape, or form. People who um, believe differently, think differently, act differently, or have even offended us personally. Now, I want to talk about two different kinds of people who have crossed us. There are some people who have crossed us, and we both know that we've been crossed. We both know that there's tension in the relationship. And neither one of us, because we're both so strong-willed, neither one of us is going to be willing to offer forgiveness first or ask for forgiveness, but we just know there's tension in the relationship, and as long as it's not too big a tension, we're just going to live with it until something finally gives. But right now, we know there's tension. We've been crossed. You didn't represent my view. You did something I didn't think you should have done. You said something that wasn't <laughs> respectful at all, and you made someone believe something about me that wasn't right, and, and there's tension, and we both know it, right? There's that category of people, and... I'd encourage you to think about those people in your life this morning. There's also people who have crossed you, and they don't know it. And they don't know it. And here's why. Because they believe and live very differently than you, and their lifestyle in and of itself is an offense to you. The way that they parent, The, the way... Uh, that they um, choose to spend um, the money that somehow you are is impacting you and you don't know they don't know but it is Hurting you and you're impacted by it. You can look at these people in, in your school and say, "Man, they always come late and they never get their homework done." The people that you work with who are who are late and not quite you know on time with stuff. The people who inhale things that you would never inhale. All right, the people who consume things that you would never consume. The people who watch things that you would never dare to watch or or say things and use words that you have always been taught are like words that will send you straight to hell if you ever actually utter them like these people who say things do things whatever and you they, they offend you they've kind of crossed you but they don't know it there's that group of people as well. And so here's what we do with, with anyone who's crossed us, either people that know that we've been crossed and we know that the relationship persists, or those who just live differently. And because they live differently, we just know we're not going to hang out with them. We're not going to get close to them. And this is what the relationship is. And that's just the way it is. Here's what we end up often doing. And, and um, I have found myself saying recently, and Jen and I, my wife and I have been talking about this recently, it seems to come up. Here's what I will often say. When someone does something that I think, what were they thinking, right? I think, if it were me, I would never, right? And you fill in the blank. Anyone ever say that? (laughs) If it were me, I wouldn't. If it were me, I mean, I wouldn't. And we've caught ourselves saying that over and over again. And the reality is, of course, they're doing it because they're not you, right? They're not me. If it were me, I wouldn't say that. If it were me, I wouldn't have put the money there. If it were me, I wouldn't ever have drunk that or, or gone there or been there. If it were me, I wouldn't have. And, and who does that? The answer is they do. They do and get to get over it. All right. And the answer is they do. All right. And so here's what we'll also do is then we'll kind of get a few key safe people around us who then we can kind of let a little steam off with. All right. We're just going kind to of say, you know, can you, can you believe that someone would, can you believe that, that they would allow their kids to, to watch whatever? Like, I can't believe that they would allow their kids to go to that thing and stay overnight there. I mean, who, who does that? Yeah, I know, isn't that terrible? And then we kind of agree to, to figure out how to cope with a tension in the relationship that we think will actually never go away because people are too different than us, and they're too off from us. And here's what we'll try to do, is we'll learn how to cope with what we feel like is an inevitable difference between me and you. We'll learn to cope with what we see as inevitable offenses between me and you, because you value things so differently, you think so differently, and we'll just learn to cope with the tension that exists, and with the stuff that gets between us, and we'll figure out ways just to cope and deal and live with that kind of tension now here's a thing here's a thing how you treat others especially those who have crossed you is a direct reflection of the god that you serve how we treat others especially those who have crossed us intentionally knowingly or unknowingly how we treat people even who unknowingly cross us how we treat others especially those especially those who have crossed us is a direct reflection of the God that we serve it it just is here's what Jesus had to say about this these are the words from Jesus himself and here's what he says he says if you love those who love you what credit is that to you even sinners love those who love them And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. It goes on. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. In other words, if your relationships are great with the people who are great to you, big deal. Everybody does that. That doesn't stand out. It doesn't make a difference in the world. Everybody does that. If you lend to someone who you expect to be paid back in full, yippee for you. Everybody does that. But if you want to stand out, if you want to represent a God who stands out, here's the difference and here's what Jesus says. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. But love your enemies. And this is a life changer, is what Jesus says here. Jesus' interest is completely world-changing. And he's saying to people who are Christians, I don't want you to cope. I don't want you to cope with the tension that exists between you. I don't want you to cope with constantly being in tension with one another. I don't want you just to cope with it. Good grief, anyone can do that. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, here's his teaching. Love your enemies. Because... God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, and the wicked, and the wicked. That is a game changer. That is a life changer. That is completely counterintuitive and is very, very, very difficult to do. We sang a song this morning that said, Who you love, I'll love. Who you serve, I'll serve. How you love, how you who you love, I love. This is what we're saying. This morning, I want you to think about, and go with you, I'm going to go with you in this passage on how do we think about the people who have crossed us, and what in the world does it mean to stand out and rethink, rethink some relationships that perhaps for a lifetime, or maybe for the last couple weeks, or maybe for the last year, you have thought that relationship is just severed that there's tension there. I don't know if it's going to be resolved. My family will always be like that. Those people at work will always do that, and therefore, until they change, we're probably not going to have a relationship. They've crossed me unknowingly, but our values are so different, and I'm just going to cope with the tension that exists. I I want to go with you to this passage that we're in, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and see what Paul has to say to people, particularly who are Christians. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there, or if you have your card, you just want to look on the little card, we're going to drop it into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. We're going to particularly highlight verses 18 and 19 this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't own one, that Bible in the pew there is our gift to you this morning. Uh, 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament, about the seventh book in, uh, so the right third of your Bible, you'll find 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we are going to, uh, to spend our time in particularly verses 18 to 19. But let's read from the context in verse 16 first. And so here we go. So from now on, verse 16 reads, We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone. The new is here. And then with that background, we jump right into verses 18 to 19. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. All right? Now, let's take this phrase by phrase, section by section, and we're going to see, I hope, some really powerful things to unpack in how we think about people who are right around us. First of all, verse 18, all this is from God. All right, so God initiated, he started, he's the one who rolled this baby out. It wasn't just our great idea. All this change of life, if you're a Christian and Christ follower, has come from God. He has created this and moved this to us. And then he goes on to say this, who reconciled us." to himself through Christ, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And here's, here's an important word that we need to understand. This word, uh, reconciled, because it shows up several times just in these two verses. In fact, this is the key concept in this entire little section here is understanding. What do we mean when we use the word reconciled? What does it mean that, that God reconciled us to himself through Christ? Christ, what does that mean? All right, so check it out up here. Here's the definition of reconciled for you: reconciled to reestablish proper, friendly interpersonal relations after there have been they have these have been disrupted or broken. All right, so check that out again. Reconciliation to reconcile means to reestablish proper, friendly interpersonal relations after these have been disrupted or broken. In other words we were once enemies of God. We were once far from him because of our sin. We once crossed God because of who we are in our sin. And yet because of that, what God did is said, you know what, instead of just leaving you there, instead of just saying, you know, what were you thinking? (laughs) If it were me, I would never have done, but you did, so it stinks to be you. I mean, until you're ready to turn around and come back, you know, there you go. Instead of that, God says, you know what, I'm going to exchange the hostility in our relationship. I'm going to exchange the angst in our relationship. I'm going to exchange that hostility with friendliness. And I'm going to make our relationship friendly again. I'm going to exchange the hostility for kindness. I'm going to be kind to the wicked, to the ungrateful. That's what I do. I'm God. And so he reconciled, he drew us back, and he exchanged that tension in the relationship. And then what it says here is rather convicting, right? So he, he reconciled, he moved us to himself through Christ on the cross, and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, there's some things I don't mind getting from God, right? I don't, mind, I don't mind getting grace. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't mind when God is gracious. That is a good gift to give. I don't mind when I lean into his forgiveness, I do not mind to claim the promise that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is good stuff to claim, to have your, your conscience and your heart cleaned and gone and, and because of the gift of God and forgiveness. Those are good things that I'm willing to take from God. I don't really know that I want this gift that God gives. And he give, he's given to us, at the end of verse 18, he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's like, hey, hey, listen, you're now here. You used to be over there. You used to be an enemy of mine. Because of Christ, I brought you near. And now, hey, take this and use it. Do to others what I have done for you. And he gave to us the message of reconciliation. That God, was, here's the message, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And here's the message, that God was reconciling himself, reconciling the world to himself in Christ. So if that's the message, that's why it matters how I treat people. Because if I don't treat people in the same way that God treated me, then it reflects on a God who is not reconciling God. And then he says this, not counting people's sins against them. This to me is the, the second most important thing to understand, and that is what in the world does Paul mean? What do we mean when we use the word counting? Not counting people's sins against them. This is a used to be an accounting term, and, and words develop over time in their usage. I think we all understand that words start to mean something, and then they develop through common usage and change their meaning over time. This began as simply an accounting term. You balance the books at the end of the month. You you know, you, you find out you know what debts are owed and and what is positive on the balance sheet, and you count things up as an accounting term. But then it it came to be associated with cognitive or or mental factors. It became associated with how we feel toward one another and how we understand each other. And so here's what what this now means. And that is counting something means to punish someone for something. To calculate, to let one's mind dwell on, to keep a mental record. You ever done that? You ever punish someone for what they've done knowingly or unknowingly against you? I mean, after all, your expectations are reasonable, right? I mean, you're a reasonable person. I mean, after all, if they were me, I would have... You ever punish someone and recount and recount and recount their offense to justify your behavior? You ever say, well, the reason that I'm giving them the silent treatment is because of how deeply they've offended me? I would do that if they would but they're not, so I'm not going to. You ever do that? You ever punish someone like that to dwell on, to keep a mental record? You've got to keep it fresh because there's a reason why we're not in a good relationship. Oh yeah, here's why I don't like those people. I almost forgot, almost forgot. Here's why I don't like those kind of people. Oh, I'm so glad I remembered because I'm keeping a record of the things that stand between me and them. You ever do that? See, there's some things that we have to pray about and wonder about. What, what would God want me to do? And there's some things that we just don't need to pray about, and just need to do, and, and this is one of them. God has given to us the message of reconciliation. Maybe I should pray and ask God, God, do you want me to be someone who reconciles? I don't know. What do you think he will say? I, I haven't heard a message from heaven yet. I just need to pray a little bit more about whether I should be the one to reconcile or not. I don't know. It's just, hold on, I need to pray and fast about this decision. Should I be the one to reconcile? I don't know. There's some things we just don't even need to, to pray about. We just, we just need to do them. And they're very hard to do. And he's given us this message of reconciliation. It says, I am no longer counting against you the things that you owe me. You were in debt to me. Your sin created a debt in the balance sheet, and you owe me. <laughs> right? You ever feel that way towards someone? They owe me an apology. They owe me an explanation. It doesn't make sense that you would make that Decision. They owe me a reason why they would do that. You owe me something, and until that debt is paid, I will continue to count against you something that you have done for me, knowingly or unknowingly, but that tension will be there. And here's what God interjects in this and says Whoa, 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 listen, rethink, rethink your assumptions about these relationships. Rethink this for a minute. What if your debt has been canceled? And you've been given the message of reconciliation. What if you are the one not to wait but to go? What if you were the one who's been given the message to say, no longer count these sins against anybody else? What if we need to rethink the assumption that there will always be tension in the relationships in our family, with our spouse, with our friends, or with our coworkers? What if we need to rethink that and say, you know what, what if... What if I was someone who actually carried out the work of reconciliation? What if I stopped thinking about the offenses? What if I stopped counting people's sins against them? What if I did more than what everybody does? Because everybody loves those who love them. What if I love my enemies? What if I like God? was kind to the ungrateful and kind to the wicked. What would that look like for me? What if I did that? And here comes the, the, the freight, the train hitting, the weight of this passage coming at the very end in verse 19. The last sentence of verse 19. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's committed it to you and to me. If, if, you, if you are a Christ follower, this is a game changer for you. If, if you are not a Christ follower, this is just a good idea. Okay? This actually will just help you. This actually is, is a principle that will help you in business. It will help you um, in your family relationships. It will probably even help you get a date All right, if you care about that. That is being more kind than you thought you should be, being more grateful than you thought you should be, right? loving people who aren't nice to you. I mean, that's just a principle that you can take or leave if you're not a Christ follower. And if you take it, it actually will help you. It's actually a very helpful, realistic principle. But if you're a Christ follower, we don't have a choice. We just don't have a choice. We don't have the privilege of saying, yeah. I'm not going to because they haven't. He has committed to us. He is saying, I'm giving to you, I'm committing this to you, committing to you the message of reconciliation. You now do for others what I've done for you. You were once an enemy of mine, now I've brought you near. Don't just love people who love you, everybody does that. Don't just be kind to those who are kind to you, everybody does that. You want to stand out? You want to rethink your relationships? Love your enemies. Be kind little warning, We're, we're um, as I tried to, to press this principle down for something you can remember and I can remember too because I'm not good at remembering much of what I say, then the, how can I expect you to remember all of what I say anyway, all right? So I'm trying to press this principle down and we're entering into like cheese land here, a cheesy land, cheesy principle territory uh, here, all right? So just be, be warned uh, where I'm going to throw a principle up here that that I think communicates but also is, you know, slightly on the trite side, maybe, all right, but but I think I think it can can work. Uh, and that is this. Um, because it's so important for us, if, if you call yourself a Christian, because it's so important to get this down, um, the the key in, in all this is saying, okay, it's not just seeing you through the lens of how you've offended me, I have to, between me and you, I have to put something else between me and you, and that is I have to put the cross of Christ in here. I have to say, if this is what was done for me, I have to see you through that in order to make sense of that relationship if I only see you directly with no reconciliation from God in there, then there's really no motivation or reason for me to want to extend grace to you because you'll probably ruin my trust again in the future. Therefore, it's inevitable that we'll continue to be cross with one another. And so in light of that, here's what we say. When you're crossed, consider the cross. All right? When you're crossed, consider the cross. When someone crosses you knowingly or unknowingly, the gut reaction is, man, I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe my teacher would say I can't believe she called me out in class like that. I can't believe my classmates would, would do this. And I can't believe that my husband would spend that money that we simply didn't have or my wife would do the same thing. I can't believe they were whatever. I mean, you just fill in the blanks. There's all kinds of ways people would cross each other and knowingly and unknowingly. But when that happens, what if instead of just thinking about how I've been offended, what if, what if when you're crossed, you think about the cross? What if when you're crossed, you think about, what has God done for me? What has he done for me through Jesus? Now, let me talk practically. There have to be some objections to this, and I've thought about them, and you may or may not have thought about them already, but here's here's the objections. Um, If we actually were to play this out, um, there are some people who have offended you, uh, and that offense actually changes the relationship, and I think might need to change a relationship so much that you may have a difficult time trusting them for certain things. So, in other words, if you are looking uh, for a babysitter, you do not go online uh, and look up babysitters.com and find people who were released from prison for being an ax murderer and say, I would like to have them come babysit my child. Here's my point. There's some things that we do in our history that disqualify us from being trusted for things in the future. And it would be foolish for a parent to say, hey, an axe murderer just moved into town. Man, we're going out for the weekend. Why don't you come over? In, is this message a message of saying, man, you need to forgive people for what they've done in the past. You just need to move on like a blank slate. I know he's an axe murderer, but hey, give him a second chance. It's what God does. I mean, love your enemies. Be kind to the wicked. Just let them with your kids for a weekend. That's foolishness. And we know that, right? It's just foolishness. We would never do that. And so what is this actually saying? If I press this out, what is this actually saying? Like, I, I am okay to say that as parents, it's okay for you to be saying, if you have children of dating age or getting married or whatever, to, to be able to have a conversation with one of your, your sons or daughters if they're dating someone who you know, has a history of, of real violent abuse. But it's worth a conversation. In fact, it'd be foolish not to have a conversation to say, whoa, 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 let's think about that. And as a kid, you can't just pull out and say, hey, we gotta be kind to the wicked. I know he's wicked, but hey, we gotta be kind and we're going out. That's foolishness not to consider the past in light of the future and the present. And so there's some things that happen to us and against one another where we offend each other and it kind of disqualifies a future responsibility. But the key is not about responsibility that we give each other, but rather it's about the personal relationship. In other words, someone who just got out of jail for embezzling a million dollars from a company, they come to you and they want a job. It doesn't mean you give them a job in the accounting department, but it means you give them an interview. Let's talk. I don't know if I'm going to put you in charge of our books, but here's something else. All right, what can we do? And your past does impact the future. And this is not a call to wipe away your brain all right, and not think about what's wise in relationships, but it is a call to say if reconciliation is about in interpersonal relationships, reconciling what's hostile to become what's friendly. This is a call for the quality of our relationship, not the responsibility we entrust each other with. This is a call to say, not that I'm going to give an axe murderer time with my kids to watch them, but rather I need to figure out how do I be kind even to the wicked while protecting them from my children. There's wisdom in all of that. The problem is when I say, no, I can't. I can't even do that. I can't even be kind. I can't even love. I can't even do that. And that's the call here. I'd like you to think about this for a minute again. This is a, a series on rethinking, rethinking relationships, rethinking who I am, rethinking what if I'm not who I think I am? And so the question becomes what relationship do I need to rethink? What relationship do I need to rethink um, that's right in front of me, that's around me, that's in my family, that's here at church, you know, that's at school? You know, what relationship do I need to rethink? Who have you walked in here now, as we've been talking about tension, knowingly or unknowingly, um, who do you have in mind where well, you say, you know what I mean, there's tension. There's tension. There's tension in this relationship. In fact, it's not just tension because we're not sure what to do. There's actually some hostility that I feel toward them. I feel angry with them. I wish they would have represented my views, and they didn't. I wish they would have been more patient, but they weren't. I wish they would have been more kind and thoughtful in their language, but they weren't. Whatever. It's just who they are. I'm going to punish them with my thoughts. I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to ignore them. I'm going to do as much as I can not to cross their path because they've crossed me and whatever. And it's inevitable that this is just going to be the way it is. What relationship comes to mind? And what relationship at a broader level, those who who may have unknowingly crossed you, do you say, man, I just don't associate with those kind of people? I don't associate with those kind of people. Those like hyper-religious people, those hyper-non-religious people, you know, the the tall people, the short people, whatever, I I don't associate with those kind of people. Why not? What difference does it make if we love people who love us? It makes no difference at all, truthfully. It's a game changer if we love our enemies. So think about that and then think about this. Imagine what could be if you reconcile. Just imagine for a moment what could be if you didn't have to carry around that weight anymore. Imagine what could be in your work if you didn't carry around the weight of that pressure anymore. Imagine what, it, what mental capacities could be freed up if you didn't have to think anymore. Oh yeah, I need to remind myself here's where, where I've been offended. Oh yeah, I need to keep that... Rela- here's why I'm upset with him. I need to kind of keep reminding myself. Oh, and we have a conversation with the, the girlfriends or the guys and here's we'll talk about how foolish this thing was or that thing was. and you know, We need to kind of remind ourselves and kind of keep counting the sins against one another. We have to just keep doing that. But what if you didn't have to do that anymore? Imagine what could be if you had freedom in all of your relationships, in all of them. Imagine what could be if you were free to love and serve everybody. Imagine what could happen for you. Imagine the energy that you would have to create at work and at school. Imagine the energy that you would have to give to reconciliation and love and service and leadership to people. Imagine what could be for a moment if you could do that. Now I want you to think about this question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to happen before you make the first move? What are you you waiting for to happen? Are you waiting for them to make the first move? Are you waiting for them to acknowledge Because if you have in your ledger book a debt that they owe you, they owe you an apology. They owe you a reasonable explanation. They owe you more information. They owe you whatever. If you're waiting for that debt to be paid, you're doing exactly what the world does. And that is not what Christians are called to do but to reconcile and exchange that hostility and not count that against them anymore. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. He said to us, listen, they owe you, sure. They probably owe you a lot. They owe you a lot. Let's, Let's grant you that. They've offended you, yeah. Your sensibilities have been offended, probably. You're a reasonable person. You might even be right. Let's grant you that. Let's say you're right. The question becomes, do we do the right thing or the rights thing? We've talked about that here before. Do I hold on to my rights or do I do the right thing? So what are you, what are you waiting for? What are you, what are you waiting for? And then this question, in okay, case so you're still not sure what you're waiting for. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't wait? Aren't you glad? You know, aren't you glad that Jesus did not wait for you to come to him? Aren't you glad that he didn't say, you know, I don't know. Their offense is pretty strong. I'm not sure I'm ready to die for him yet. I don't know. She's a little, well, that's a little too far from me. Maybe when they turn around, then I will offer my salvation to them. I mean, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't wait for you to turn and do the right thing? Aren't you glad? but at the end of the day, Jesus' offer of salvation comes from his model and he came to die for sinners before we even knew what we needed. Aren't you glad? See, we've been given the message of reconciliation. And if all we do is love people who love us, we can be nice and kind. But Jesus calls for us to be Game changers and world changers. That we would not only love those who love us, but we would love our enemies. And we would be kind to the ungrateful and kind to the wicked. So who do you need to be kind to? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to write a, a note to? Who do you need to talk to? And give up what's owed to you. And give up punishing them for what they've done or what they continue to do. And give up counting against them where you've been offended. Who do you need to reconcile with? Because God has committed to the Christian the message of reconciliation. And how we treat one another, especially those who have crossed us, is a direct reflection of the God that we serve. So when you've been crossed, consider the cross. Let's pray together. Our good God and Heavenly Father, we are in a passage that's difficult because it's so personal to many of us. This is extremely hard stuff to wrestle with. It is extremely hard because it requires a great price that we would pay. And that is giving up a right that we have. Giving up the right that we have for an apology. The right we have for an explanation. The right we have for a reason why. Father, I pray that you would give us courage this morning to do what we know we need to do and not to wait. That our lives could be, live so differently because we rethink our relationships with people. We don't live in the inevitable. We don't live thinking, oh, they've crossed us. They've made us angry. Now I know how to live. We're just going to complain and we're going to cope. Father, save us from that. Save us from those kind of relationships, that kind of life-sucking, joy-sucking future that keeps us from enjoying each other, even in the middle of the things that we do that bother one another, even in the middle of the things that we do that offend one another. Help us to see each other through the cross when we cross one another. Help us to see that we have got to figure out how to love our enemies be kind, be kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. This is hard teaching. And Father, I pray for those here this morning who are right on the cusp, just about ready to move, but would rather wait for someone else to do what needs to be done first. Father, give us courage that we would be the first, that we would go, just like Jesus didn't wait for us, that we would be the initiators. Even though we might be right and the other person is wrong, that we would do the right thing and not the right thing. Give us a vision of what could be as we rethink our relationships around us, that we will no longer count sins against one another because of the cross of Christ. Father, we thank you for the trust, the assurance that we have that this Savior is ours, that we have This song will sing a foretaste of glory, divine, a future hope of what eternity will be in relationship well with one another. Help us to live now with that blessed assurance in mind. Give us courage to do what we know we need to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.